Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Mo H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 27th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book. We are on Chapter 4, page 44, and we'll be reading the first paragraph in the preceding chapters, and one paragraph only. Today's readers of the 12 Steps is Liz T., and Marilyn T., The Twelve Traditions, and our readers of the text are Elaine T., John K., and Sherry K.B. is our backup. And due to a technical glitch yesterday, the 10 a.m. Monday, March 26th meeting was not recorded, and the share ID for Tuesday, March 27th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 11,215, that's 11215. And our newcomer greeter will be Melanie C. Overeaters Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience and strength, experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions. I will now ask Liz T. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Liz T., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Minnesota, reading the 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrong. Sorry, meeting me right now. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask God, ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening and the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Liz T. And then we'll now ask Marilyn T. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Mo. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. This is Marilyn T. from Northern California, a grateful recovering compulsive overeater, the 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop drinking, stop eating, I'm sorry. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups of OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry the message to the recovering overeater who is still suffering. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise 
least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction. Rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve. I pass. Thank you, Marilyn T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 40. We're at the beginning of Chapter 4, and we'll be reading Paragraph 1. I will now ask Elaine T. to start us off. Hi, this is Elaine T. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Um, Chapter 4, We Agnostics. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If, when you honestly want to, you can find you cannot quit entirely, or if, when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Okay, so with that, I pass. Um, The chapter um, where we learned about alcoholism was wonderful for me because I didn't understand that I had an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And, um, but I never quite got clear on alcoholic, uh, heavy drinker, et cetera, et cetera. However, I didn't need to know that or understand that. What I needed to know and understand was that if I honestly wanted to, I could not quit eating foods that caused me an allergic, an allergic reaction entirely. Or I could not quit eating um, with a reasonable amount. Um, I love the sentence in one of the stories um, that says, you know, if you, you know, can drink like a moderate drinker, my hat's off to you. I heard someone say once, well, if you can eat a pizza like a moderate eater, my hat's off to you. And I went, oh, I can't do that. So it became pretty clear to me um, that I could I was in that instance, I was not, um, I was indeed one of you. I was a compulsive overeater. And um, I always used to laugh at the joke that some of the young people might not get, but there was a Lay's commercial that used to say, I bet you can't eat just one. Yeah, I can eat one, one bag, one box, one barrel. It didn't matter. But that was the one I could eat. I couldn't eat one chip, one slice, one serving for most of my alcoholic foods. And it did make it easy for me um, to at least identify that with half of step one, number one, that I was powerless over food, I could do that. It was the other half that gave me trouble, and I finally came to realize that my life was indeed unmanageable 
by myself, and I'm so grateful for this program because I found people who could help me um, follow the directions clearly, and I found that when doing so, I could be free of the obsession, and that all I had to do then was put down my, well, I had to, I had to do it first, put down my alcoholic foods, become willing, and work this program and um, with that, I have found a life beyond my wildest dreams, and I'll pass. Well, thank you very much, um, Elaine T. I will now take uh, the names of those who would like to share on this uh, first paragraph. Brandy, Brandy M. Come on, okay. Lisa J. R. Kathleen um, O. Uh, Shannon S. Okay, I missed a few. I have Brandy. I have John K. I missed the third person in there. Lisa J.R. Lisa. Lisa, gotcha. Lisa J.R. And then I have Kathleen. What's your last initial? O. O. And I missed somebody before Layot. I have Layot TD and I have somebody before Layot. Shannon S. Shannon? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll stop there. Okay, Brandy. Can we? I have the first initial of your last name. M. M. Okay. We'll have Brandy M. Followed by John K. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for your service. I'm Brandy M. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Canada. Um, I I like this. So basically. What it's saying to me is that um, I'm different, that, you know, I have that mental twist and the allergy of the body and that I honestly need to be convinced of that. And that picture has been painted for me over and over and over, um, not being able to control the food anymore and doing crazy, crazy things when it came to food, um, like a non, you know, compulsive overeater would would not do. They wouldn't do some of the things I did with food. They wouldn't binge and then decide that, you know, the cupboard still looked good after that. You know, most people, when they stop, when they eat too much, they stop. I needed more and it was like a crazy, crazy obsession. And and I always like sat there and thought, why can't I control this? Why can't I do something to try and control this? Why, even though I'm sitting on my couch thinking, I can't have one more bite. I can't have one more cookie or whatever the case may be. And then two minutes later, up in up in the cupboard, why why am I different? And so what the previous chapters have really taught me is that, you know, I have no defense against the first bite. And then once I start, I can't stop. And for me, that, that became really real um, in the beginning of January when I was in full-on relapse and struggling so hard and, you know, all I wanted to do was eat and die, really. Like, and that's where I was. I didn't want to be here anymore. And, you know, after working through these steps and doing what I need to do, I found that, you know, I need to lean into God now and that a spiritual experience is only what's going to conquer my disease and my eating um, and, you know, put me in that place of neutrality. And uh, for that, I'm so grateful today to just, you know, I don't care about food at this point for today because I am that one with God and having that spiritual spiritual experience that can conquer my disease, which is truly amazing. And uh, I thank you all on the line, and I learned so much from all of you, and I'm, I'm entirely grateful. So thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Brandy. And John Kay, followed by Lisa J.R. <coughs> Good morning, uh, Mo. Uh, thanks for your service. My name is John Kieran, recovered compulsive reader in Los Angeles. You know, I love where it says here, if you cannot quit entirely, <laughs> well, there's, there's one of them gotcha words in the program, right? Like entirely in the sixth step. But that was me. I could quit for a few days, for a week, for a month, but quit, you know, quit compulsive eating entirely. Nope, never happened. You know, in other words, I had my own life to try and do this and it hadn't worked. You know, neither had the hundreds of diets I was on or the well-meaning advice from friends and from doctors and all those. You know, and all those were perfectly fine for people 
just been eating too much, but who aren't compulsive eaters. But not for me. You know, no human power could have relieved my compulsive overeating, but God could and would, as they say, if you were sought. You know, the last thing I wanted to do was give up believing I couldn't conquer this. That's the evil part of my disease. It's, it always whispered in my ear that the answer was right around the next corner. And, you know, and at the same time, it sat there resident in my head. You know, I love what the book says, uh, parallel with our sound reasoning. Uh and worked against me every step of the way, no matter what I tried. It's like one of those old horror movies from the 80s. The disease is coming from within your head. Get out. And um, and so I needed a power greater than myself to help me with my problem. And, and you know, I can see today I have that. I've been placed in that position in neutrality, safe and protected, as the 10th step says. Um, but it's a toll of recovery. You know, and every day got to pay that toll. And, you know, just like any... Any toll road, no matter how much you've driven it before, you still got to pay that toll, and and that involves, you know, working to do whatever's necessary to stay in that fit spiritual condition. They tell me that's the toll for getting those kinds of promises. Now, in the beginning, I had yet to develop a God consciousness, so the higher power in the beginning for me was the program. It was the group. It was anybody who had more absence than me, and, and if I wanted help, if I wanted to tap into that resource. I had to ask for that help. I had to get a sponsor. And and for me, the most important thing that was ever told to me about asking for a sponsor was then take direction. I used to hear that phrase way more in program, take direction. Because, you know, I've been in the driver's seat my whole life. You know, and all I've ever done is drive the car into the ditch. And it was time for me to get out of the driver's seat and let someone else drive for a while, you know, to help guide me in a different direction, you know. And, and you know, also to show me where the tolls were and how to pay them. And, and all I needed to do was to realize I was suffering from an illness, as it says here, that only a spiritual experience can conquer. And uh, that was the beginning of my uh, recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, John Kay. And Lisa J.R., followed by Kathleen O. Good morning, everybody. This is Lisa J.R. from Maryland. Um, happily and wonderfully recovered just for today by God's grace. Forgive the the hen in the background. Um, You know, I came into the program thinking I had, uh, I had step one, two, and three in the bag. Um, I had a, I had a God consciousness from early on in my childhood. So I just couldn't get it. Um, But one thing I really had in the bag was (laughs) denial and delusion. Um, those were things that that became my reality. Um, you know, I got I read Dr. Silkworth's letter and happily realized that, gosh, I am not just a loser that that can't do this. But one thing I have learned is that I wasn't honest. When I came in, I treated the program like a vending machine or a cafeteria line. I didn't work it with um, entirely, as it says. I couldn't quit entirely because I didn't work it entirely. I couldn't be honest, so I did less than half measures. But I kept coming back, and after getting on vision, um, I realized that, gee, um, this big book really does have the answer. It's Jacob's Ladder. It's um, It bridges. It's the bridge between just not having a fluffy relationship with my higher power, but having a deep, um, constant relationship with my higher power. Instead of getting up in the morning and praying, I walk in the garden all day with my God. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. And I, conventional religion never got me there. Even studying um, never got me there. Um, but I just couldn't lick this disease because I wasn't willing to entirely give it to my God. I was like Gollum in Lord of the Rings. I started out normal, um, but I coveted my food. I coveted my solution uh, to numb out with food. And I didn't trust God. I didn't give um, the issues that were underlying to God. Um, It truly was about the weight between my ears, as I've heard said. And um, when I finally got thoroughly honest, rigorously honest, and let go of trying to um, 
trying to just do half measures, just what I felt like. The selfish control freak in me wouldn't let go and be uh, even embrace these suggestions from anyone. And until I did that, I was uh, floundering around in the kiddie pool of the spirit with my water wings on. And, you know, praise God, now I get to swim in deep water every day spiritually. And I so am so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Perfect. Thank you, Kathleen. Oops, now how do I stop this? Sorry. Okay. We finish with Kathleen O, Shannon S, followed by Leah Mo, D. Mo, Mo, yes. that was Lisa. You finished with Lisa. Now I'm Kathleen. Oh, Lisa JR. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Lisa JR. Lisa with the hen. <laughs> I couldn't get my timer to stop. Kathleen O, followed by Shannon S. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Mo. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. So, you know, we're in the chapter, We Agnostics, and agnostic is a person who claims neither faith nor nor disbelief in God, a doubter, a skeptic. And, um, you know, I, I did intellectually know there was a God. In fact, I had prayed for decades on and off for God to help me, but the same thing kept happening. I couldn't control my eating with the exception of making a career with different dieting techniques, and I would lose weight, um, but then I gained it all back. So I really had no faith that God could help me. Um, and, you know, we hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. Um, You know, this chapter probably won't be much help if you still think or believe you can control your eating. We're being reminded if we don't have control once we start and find we can't quit entirely, that we are probably alcoholic. And probably is almost certainly. And yet I knew without a doubt it it wasn't probably for me. It's like probably, yeah, you think probably. I mean, I knew without a doubt I was a compulsive overeater because I couldn't stop once I started. And when I was successful with white knuckling a diet, I couldn't stay stopped. I always, always gained my weight back and more. And so spiritual experience, um, you know, that's an event that has sufficient power allowing us to break away from our addiction. And step two is when we come to believe in a higher power. And I love that, you know, came, came to, came to believe. this disease is a true lack of power, and this chapter is going to help us find the power. So if your way isn't working, I suggest you stop the debating society. That's what I had to do. And just be willing to follow some directions and take some action because this is an action program. It's not a thinking or debating program. So, and, and you know, if you go through these steps, if you find someone to take you through the steps and you follow these directions, and at the end you don't like this, just know there's a 100% guarantee of getting your misery refunded. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen O. Uh, Shannon S., followed by Layot TD. Uh, good morning. This is Shannon S., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic in New York. Um, the first thing that came to mind when hearing this paragraph was, I just love the wording of um, Bill and the other authors of the big book. You know, never once do they diagnose us or do they say, you are definitely or you categorize or you have to stay in this program. You know, it's always, um, it's always with so much dignity. Like, you know, this is what we found. And if you're, um, if you're identifying, then you're probably alcoholic. But that um, we all have the dignity um, to follow our own path. And that was really important for me because when I first came in the program, you know, I thought I was at my bottom and I also thought that I had a strong relationship with, um, with a God, um, in the faith community that I was participating in. But, um, as you know, in hindsight and as time would, would show is that, um, I, I needed to still do a lot more research here in program to be fully convinced that I could fully concede to my innermost self that I was truly a compulsive eater. Um, and when I first realized that food was my God, that other people were my God, 
that comfort and um, prestige and all those things were my God. Um, that was like really horrifying for me. But uh, again, I love um, as we work through the steps and, you know, step two is but a beginning. It's a willingness to believe in this power. And then the whole purpose of the program is, um, is for us to continue to grow um, in intimacy <clears throat> with that power and um, grow in relationship. And, um, you know, I've, I've had the privilege to do that. And I'm so grateful that today, you know, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt and I believe and I accept the fact that I'm a compulsive eater. And, um, and then when I do that, then I can really grow in this relationship. But I'm just, um, it's a miracle today that my mom, uh, we're celebrating her 60th birthday later today. And um, I volunteered to make the cake and make the dessert. And um, I have this cake, I'm actually pulling it out of the oven right now. And it's, it's right here, and I don't feel neutral. I'm sorry, I do feel neutral. Um, I'm a home alone, and before I would just be thinking of like, hmm, is there a way that I could lick more batter or that I could have a little piece or that I could sneak something or maybe I'd have to run to the store to go grab a replacement because I've eaten this. And what a gift that I can just be of service and do this as an act of love and feel neutral and be on this meeting. It's like, you know, totally surreal, but it's just so amazing, the freedom that comes. And I'm just so grateful that I didn't have to be diagnosed um, as a compulsive overeater to stay in this program. You know, um, our traditions state that as long as we want to stop eating compulsively, we're welcome here. And um, that was such a key for me. Thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Shannon S. And now Layat TD. Yes, hi, good morning, Mo, and all my brothers and sisters on the line. Um, you know, I could, this is a really scary uh, paragraph for me because when I was at that point and I understood that I can't quit entirely, I can't stop and say stop, and that I have little control over the amount that I take, I knew it was true. And then finding out that only a spiritual experience can conquer that, I didn't have the power to stop eating. And I didn't have the power. I didn't have a God. That was my problem. I mean, I, I, I was not an uh, atheist, but I just didn't, I couldn't find that. I didn't know how to find that power, you know. And what it says here that only spiritual experience can co- conquer you know, step three is not a, it's not where I get that spiritual experience. That is step 11, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of this step. Uh, this is where I get my um, experience. So I better get going here quickly because I'm going to die. I'm going to eat quick. I'm going to eat here very soon, you know. And I love, you know, I mean, you know, in Bill's story at the hospital, he says, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed sign of delirium uh, tremens. There, I humbly, I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly, reservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that I of myself was nothing. Without him... I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sin, and that's step four. You know, and my husband always says, if you want to know that you did step three, you you took your inventory. You just took step four, and so on. So I need to find, you know, some people can go through this. I remember this AWOL that took a year to get through the steps, or um, some people can maybe go through the big book, reading it a week at a time. I don't have that time. I'm going to eat, so, you know, if you're like me and you can find a sponsor that will take you through without reading every little word, and then later on, reading is phenomenal, but I need the power. I'm going to die here. I'm going to eat before you finish this chapter, before you finish the next paragraph I'm going to eat. So uh, I need a spiritual experience, and it's, it's at step 11, and I need to get there quick. Love you all. Thank you, Layot, and I will now open the lines up for those who would like to share on this first chapter, uh, first paragraph of We Agnostics. Robin Joby. Jordan L. Sarah Kobe. Jordan L. Stay on two. 
James T. Terry A H. Terry A H. Terry K B. I got you, Sherry. So far, I have Robin J B, Jordan L, Sherry K B, James. I think you said H. I'm not sure. And Terry A H. We may have time for one more. All right, we'll stop there, and uh, we'll see what our time is like. First, we'll have Robin J.B., followed by Jordan L. Robin. Thank you so much. Um, this is Robin Joby in Missouri, um, gratefully recovered um, by God's grace and for his glory. And um, I just, I, I love this because I, when I first came to program um, eight years ago, I I didn't think that this uh, chapter applied to me because I um, I did have a God um, and felt like I had, you know, a great um, relationship and everything. Um, my problem, so I kind of skipped over this uh, chapter a lot, like I think a lot of us um, do. Uh, but so my, um, my problem was that um, I felt that since I couldn't control my food that that I I, w- I felt guilty um uh, because I knew that that I wasn't honoring God with with my body like I'm supposed to um but uh I always feel bad for when I hear people say um that they like write up a um a job a, a description for God you know and and because my problem was I had I had God, um, and I wasn't to I didn't need to reinvent Him. I just needed to get him, get to know Him better and to know um, how He knows me and how He sees me. I I uh, have just been so beat down with the the disease for as long as I can ever remember that I just always felt so unworthy to be. Um, loved by this this beautiful god and uh, so um there was no reinventing him um he's my creator i i can't create him um and um so when I, when i started seeing myself more through his eyes and and his his love and and truth then um yeah then that was the spiritual awakening and um you know, I, I believe God says, I know God says, um, you know, if you seek me, you will find me. You know, um, it's he's not hiding from us. And if we really look for him, you know, um, he's there. And uh, I just, I'm so thankful to be learning even still, you know. St- I still struggle so badly with um, with the self-worth and, and, um, and all that. Uh, but... I know God loves me no matter what, and um, and I've had a spiritual awakening, and I I am abstinent, and I am recovered, and and I'm I'm very very grateful. With that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Joby and Jordan L. Followed by Sherry K. B. Jordan. Hi, no. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. My name is Jordan L. Um, I'm a Compulsive overeater in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Um, <clears throat> so um, I'm just going to make this like short and sweet. Um, this is a super important paragraph. In my humble opinion, <laughs> um, probably the most important paragraph in the book. Um, this is like... This is really where I make my beginning, you know? I mean, I know that we're, like, we've been eating a long time and, and we can't stop and um, it's gotten really pa- painful and all of that. And that is certainly a beginning as well. But, like, this is really it. This is, like, really where um, something changes and, like, a little bit of hope finds its way in. Um, and you honestly want to. You find you cannot quit entirely talking about the obsession there. Um, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, talking about the allergy there, um, you're probably alcoholic. 
that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Um, I'm going to be totally honest. I, I was not a very godly person when I came in here. I was not very spiritual. Um, I I believed that self, self-will was my God. Um, self-reliance and and figuring things out was my higher power. It's how I walked through through this world. It's how I did life. Um, so (laughs) this was like, this was, uh, this was one of those like drastic things. Um, when I walked in here, one of those like kind of big, bigger, big ideas, um, that I had to swallow. Um, and there's a Joe and Charlie, uh, talk about in their recordings this chapter being about casting aside old ideas in favor of new information, new ideas, emotions, and attitudes. Um, so that was a much that was a little bit smaller pill that I could swallow. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I didn't have to have to be like um, <clears throat> I didn't have to like come into this like ready to find God. Um, I just had to be had to be willing to to um, to cast aside some of those old ideas, you know, and listen to these new ideas because that's all this chapter is. It's like a presentation of new ideas. So um, I guess I had more than I thought to say, but I passed. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Sherry KB, followed by James. I don't have the initial of your last name, James, but Sherry KB. Good morning, Mo. Good morning, everybody. It's Sherry KB in Northern California. Very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Uh, thanks so much for your service, Mo, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. You know, this chapter, um, We Agnostics, this is about step two. Um, this is the principle of hope. And, um, you know, ag means without, and gnostic means knowledge, so it's without knowledge. So for me, I take a different uh, look at it. Um, it's without the knowledge that I, you know, I, I do believe God exists. It's just that it. I want to know to let that higher power prove to me that he exists in my life and that he cares and that I want a personal relationship with him because that's the only way for me that I'm going to be able to get through these steps is getting unblocked so I can have a personal relationship with the God of my understanding because it's telling me that I have an illness and that only, the word only jumps out at me this morning, only a spiritual experience will conquer. And conquer, that's pretty tough. It sounds like I'm at war. Um, you know, and I have a disease. And um, when you separate the word disease, means dis-ease. And what I think about is on uh, Roman numeral 28 and the doctor's opinion where it talks about that somebody like myself, who I have identified myself as a compulsive eye reader, you know, I'm addicted to ease and comfort. And so the opposite of ease and comfort is disease. Um, and I have a disease. And I, I have a twofold illness that only a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. But it has to start with me. Um, it has to start with me laying the food down entirely, my entire alcoholic foods. To me, that's what it means by being abstinent entirely, is I lay down those alcoholic foods. Uh, and then the work begins. And then I dive into the work. And that's where I get unblocked. I get unblocked by putting my food down. I get unblocked by working the steps, and then I end up connecting with a power greater than myself that restores me to sanity around this food on a, you know, this disease on a daily basis. And I also think about, you know, it's telling me to set aside my my old prejudices. Like, you know, what was the prejudices I had about my higher power when I was growing up? Um, I need to set those aside, the old ideas, the old prejudices that I had about whether I would get help or not. And it's also an asking to me. It's about asking for spiritual help. Um, And this is describing the physical and the mental obsession here when it says if you honestly want to quit entirely and you find you can't, you have little control uh, over the amount you take, then you're probably alcoholic. Um, We're not telling you that you are. It's you're deciding whether you are or not. and because no one is, you know, can only diagnose that for yourself. And um, it's just I keep thinking about what were the things that held me back from asking for help, 
from asking for divine help because I know this book is divinely inspired. And the whole purpose of this book is to get divinely inspired so that we can be of maximum service uh, to our fellows and the people about us. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. James, uh, followed by Terry A.H. James, what's the first initial of your last name? T, as in Thomas. Thank you. Hi, this is James T. I'm calling from New York. I really appreciate all you guys uh, making this meeting together. I've been listening to the, for the last few months to this line, and it's helped my recovery immensely. Um, my thoughts when we start the chapter, and the first time I went through the chapter with my sponsor, um, I wanted to change the title of the chapter from We Agnostics to We Religious, because I grew up um, religious, um, and this program gave me an entire, entirely different outlook to what my relationship with God is. Um, in I would, you would hear a good sermon, you would get inspired, you would, before the holidays or during the holiday, or, you know, you read a good book on, about religion and God, and that would give you inspiration, and that inspiration would last a day, two days, a week, most of the and it wouldn't be something. James. In every single minute, and when I came into the room, the first time I walked into my first meeting and they started talking about God and I'm like, I need a diet. What are, why is people talking about God? And um, it's, this, this program has transformed my life. Um, I, a year um, with approximately 52 pounds down and I don't even weigh myself. I don't even care to weigh myself um, because I see the changes in this life, not only on my waistline, but in my life throughout. Um, um, so I, that's why I wanted to change the title, title or I, not change the title, but I told this doesn't only apply to agnostics. This applies to religious because um, to view God and see God in every minute of your life and to keep trying to take your will and do his will instead, um, that's really what keeps me away from the food. I remember the first time that um, I had the spiritual awakening. I woke up in the middle of the night, and the middle of the night binges were horrible. And... I sat there in my bed and thought, um, I, want to, I want to binge. Then I thought, wait, what is your, let me make two lists. What is my will and what is God's will? Not that I could profess to know what God's will is, but I thought my will. My will gave me back problems, gave me knee problems, gave me, uh, made me invisible to everyone around me, gave me skin rashes, uh, and all of the above. And then I thought, what's God's will? God's will wants me to be happy, healthy, joyous, serene, uh, abstinent. Um, and uh, I've been doing that um, ever since. Whenever I feel like I want to pick up, I just um, make two lists. I may say, what's God's will and what's my will? Um, and uh, I've been abstinent for almost seven months, and I'm so appreciative to this program, and uh, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, James T. and Terry A.H., Good morning, Mo. Good morning, everyone. My name is Terry A.H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And um, I'm so grateful that we're in this chapter. You know, the chapter's title is We Agnostics. And it was pointed out to me that it doesn't say we were agnostic or those agnostics. So um, it's, uh, it's talking about me and my present state of where I am spiritually connected. And, um, you know, here they sum up, including the doctor's opinion, only to find out two things. Um, so, you know, the, I'm going to hit on the paragraph that the, the sentences that pretty much everyone else has hit on. It says, when you honestly want, want to, do you, I'm going to turn these statements into questions. Do you find you cannot quit entirely? So that's the mental obsession. So meaning once I've stopped with no alcoholic foods in me, can I stay stopped based on, so here's some questions to ask myself, based on the need the want, choice, what's right, what's necessary, or because of the desire? And then the second question is, well, when drinking, do you have little control over the amount you take, meaning the physical allergy? So meaning once I take any of those alcoholic foods in my body, can I stop or predict the amount that I eat based on the same questions, the need, the want, the choice, what's right, what's necessary, or because of the desire? 
So for me, if I could just keep myself stopped, then I would just make up my mind never to eat those alcoholic foods again. Or if I just had the, the mental obsession and not the physical craving, the next time I got the obsession, I would just eat the way that I wanted. So I have to have both. And, and what I've learned up to this point that I do have a body that, that doesn't process my alcoholic foods and a mind that doesn't process reality. And, and then it says, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only spiritual experience will conquer. And, um, you know, I looked up the word conquer, and it means to overcome and take control. So, you know, uh, the question that I really had to ask myself when I got to this point was, um, can I self-will my own spiritual progress? And if I could, wouldn't I be doing a better job? And um, so what I've learned up to this point, the difference between the moderate and the hard eater and the real the real uh, alcoholic or the real compulsive overeater is the moderate and the hard eater put down their put down my alcoholic foods and their life gets better. Me being the real compulsive overeater, I put down my alcoholic foods and my life gets worse without a spiritual experience. And I'm so grateful that it says on page 24, you know, whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends on the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. So I'm grateful I know my truth today. And um, I always say if, you're, if you have a clear foundation on step one, you'll be running to step two. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Terry A.H. And we now have time for two more shares. Would two people like to share? Laura H. Laura H. Kathy Jo P. Okay, gotcha, Kathy. Thank you. All right, Laura H. Followed by Kathy Jo P. Good morning, everyone. This is Laura H. Recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. A powerful, powerful reading in We Agnostics. That first paragraph. I felt insulted when I first read We Agnostic because I said, I'm not agnostic. I believe in a higher power, only to determine after I started working my steps with my sponsor that my my God had to be, had to be talked to and visited more often because I didn't think that my God could handle my food problems or was caring about them. So when you get this discovery, when you have this discovery, a, a freedom comes, truly a freedom. And I'm grateful for this journey. And, you know, I've been in program three and a half years. I've lost, God has released from my body 132 pounds. My life is so different. And the one thing that keeps on keeping on, keeps changing, is my relationship with my higher power. It's always evolving. And more is revealed as I get clarity and begin the healing process. So I'm very grateful to be on these lines this morning. Grateful to all of you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Laura H. And Kathy Jo P., you will close us out. Hello, this is Kathy Jo P., a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. And I um, have a degree in theology. I was a very religious person when I came in the first round in the 80s. And when I came back about six years ago, I was um, really having a hard time believing that there was a God that could help me and a God that cared about me. And I'm also going to say that I... um, maybe had a hard time still believing that I wanted the help or needed the help or um, could not control it all by myself. And it has been a slow spiritual awakening for me. Some people have them quick. I was a slow learner and I still feel like I am having a spiritual awakening Um for me, I think about it as being asleep and I was lost in the food, lost in the illness, lost in the character defects in my ego and, um, you know, feeling pretty hopeless and back to what I said a minute ago about feeling like there wasn't a God that cared about me. And I think it is a big difference to believe in God 
to believing that there is a God that is invested in caring about me. I have shared this before, but a lot of people talk about when we are abstinent or sober, our God, I mean, our addict is doing push-ups. And I truly am someone that can tell you that while I was in the food, my God was doing push-ups. Because the miracles that continue to happen for me are mind-boggling. Even little things like since I joined a Vision for You's meeting, I have returned every single phone call. I have... learned when I say to someone, I'll talk to you at 10 a.m. or 8 a.m. or 5 a.m., that I do it. I was the most undisciplined person ever. When I say I'm volunteering at a treatment center to tell my story, I'm in the parking lot five minutes early with my makeup on, not coming in a hot mess 12 minutes late and stressed out. Um, this past Saturday I did that and I had that on my gratitude list that I showed up on time and walked in. All of that is God. That's not me. That's a God that's helping me because I'm willing Mm -hmm. and how I got to the point of believing it was possible Mm -hmm. was described in the chapters below before seeing you people shining a light for me and letting me know that this is possible for me. And for me, again, it's a day at a time that I believe it's possible for me. And the more the miracles keep happening, the more I believe that it will keep happening for me. And I am so grateful that as long as I show up and do this work, that I can can continue to be free, not only of compulsive overeating, not only of 107 pounds, but of my character defects and my ego that get in my way so that I can be happier. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Joe P. And we will, I would like to thank all those who made this meeting possible and all those who shared. We will now close the, the meeting uh, with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And we'll... Um, We've got John Kay. Read a vision for you. Yes. Thank you. I certainly will. (laughs) Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.